Surrogacy and Donor IVF, a limited podcast series. Recorded and produced by Growing Families, Sam Everingham and Kerry Duncan. Hello, everybody. I'm Sam Everingham from Growing Families, and I'm here today with Morgan Lubier, who's an American surrogate. I know many of you often wonder about what motivates women to offer to be surrogates, um, particularly in a, in a compensated environment like the USA. And we're going to spend some time talking to Morgan today about but lots of issues around US surrogacy that people wonder about, just trying to demystify for people. So, Morgan, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Tell me, Morgan, where did you grow up as a, as a, as a kid? What state? I grew up in Texas on the coast in Corpus Christi. Uh-huh. Have you got a partner and kids of your own? I do. I have a husband. We've been married for almost 15 years, and we have a daughter that just turned 13 and a son who turned 11. Okay. So what age were you when you started thinking, oh, I might decide I'd like to help another family have a kid? In my early 20s. Uh-huh. I had an aunt and uncle who struggled for many years through IVF and lots of transfers and failed transfers. They did end up actually being able to conceive. And then they adopted their second son. But it kind of just put it on my heart that if I could have children, then I was going to pay that forward. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Were there many concerns you had about the process early on? Not necessarily. It's all pretty well explained. The um, agency that I found had great documents laid out that kind of went over medical information. There's psychological evaluations you do. There's lots of guidelines, mainly that you've had your own children, that you are raising your own children. So it's kind of they did a lot of the research for you, so it's kind of an easy path to follow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about your husband and your own parents? How did they react to you wanting to carry the cycle? Were they sort of worried? My husband knew from our very first date that really? I wanted to be a surrogate and that I wanted to be a living organ donor, and I told him if that doesn't interest you, we shouldn't go on a second date. Right. Wow. <laughs> okay. That's um, Clearly, I was very driven with this plan. Yeah, 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 that's right. Um, What about your parents? My mom was really concerned. She thought, you have two kids. Why would you want to do this? And I kind of said, well, I mean, we don't say do nice things as long as they don't have any negative repercussions. So it was worth the risk of helping somebody else. Not to mention that you you talk to your OBGYN, you talk to a fertility specialist, that's more than most women do before they even think about getting pregnant the first time. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. Uh, so really, it was, it was you driving the decision here. Was you something you wanted to do as, on a personal front? Yes, and my husband and I knew after two kids that we were finished, that our family was complete, and so he actually asked me in the hospital, do you still think you would do this for somebody else? And I said, absolutely. Give me a year to recover, and we'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah, wow. And did you decide initially you wanted to go down the independent route or through an agency to match? Through an agency. I didn't know the ins and outs of it. And to have somebody else's experience behind me and supporting me definitely sounded like the best way for me. Yeah, sure. Were there particular things you were looking for in prospective couples or, or, or singles? I didn't particularly know at the time. And the way that our matching was facilitated is that you're presented with a few profiles. 
And so I think I kind of was leaning towards a couple just because I liked the idea of having multiple people to kind of work with or them having that support system. So for us, it was just whatever spoke to us when we looked at the profile. Yeah. What about geographic location? Did you care whether they were local or or overseas or? For the first one, I did want them to be relatively close. So in the Texas area. But then as I continued to pursue surrogacy, as they each pregnancy went well, it started to matter less because I realized that I was really capable of forming these connections and communication skills without graphical, technical issues being something to worry about. Yeah. Let's just stop for a second and remind our listeners how many times you've carried as a surrogate. How many has that been? So I have matched four times yeah. and I've carried five for my oh, last... Wow. Yeah, my last match, we did a sibling journey. Yeah, yeah. So that was for four different sort of families. hmm Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, I mean, what would you recommend intending parents consider to ensure they've got the best chances of sort of getting on with their surrogate? Are there certain things you, you need to sort of think about in the matching process? I mean, there's the big key elements, obviously, that you want to consider to begin with. Just in general, how many embryos do you want to transfer? What kind of? Prenatal care does your surrogate have? Does she see a midwife? Does she see an OBGYN? You want to make sure that you're going to be comfortable with the pregnancy decisions that are going to be made along the way because that's going to be the surrogate's choice with her body. And so don't compromise in the beginning just because you want to find a match. Mm -hmm. Find a match that's going to be good communication skills for you guys moving forward on those very important topics. Yeah, sure. Was there a particular type of relationship you're expecting to form with the intending parents each time, or did you just were you pretty open? I was pretty open. I mean, I obviously put it forth that I would hope that naturally a friendship would develop throughout the journey without any expectations of mm-hmm. it. But as I said, definitely them being involved it didn't have to be in person as long as they wanted to virtually go to doctor's appointments. They were open to communication. I'm not a shy individual and there's not many things that are off limits as far as discussions go. So it, I hoped to match with parents with the same kind of views. And so I looked at their jobs because it can kind of give you an idea of how they think analytically. Yeah. And then our profiles that the agency that I've gone through also kind of paints a photo of what kind of family structures do they have? Where do they see themselves in five years? So it kind of gave you a snapshot of what kind of family you were being introduced to. Yeah, that's nice. And of of those four couples, were they all U.S. couples or some from international? So my first two were from Texas. Uh My third match, one of the fathers was from out of the country, but he was living in New York and his partner was from New York. And then my last couple that I matched with in these last two journeys, uh, they're from Australia. Okay, wow. And was it very different working with a couple from another country versus America? It was different in that there was a lot of calculating what time it was somewhere else to facilitate appointments. Comfort-wise, in an age of technology, it was really great. And our first pregnancy was actually through COVID, where they weren't allowing any partners to come to doctor's appointments. Mm-hmm. So it really facilitated itself to lots of video chats. And the doctor was on all the calls. They were on all the, they were at the, all the appointments just virtually. 
yeah. which would have been the same circumstance if they had been 20 minutes from me or across the ocean for COVID. Yeah, yeah. And for the US couples you carried for, did they, did they come to appointments in person ever or were that also done online? Yes. No, they did. My first couple was only about 45 minutes from me and they came to like all the doctor's appointments and mm -hmm. not all doctor's appointments are interesting. So <laughs> some of them were quite boring, just pop in and out, quick checks. My couple from New York kind of took turns either flying in for kind of some of the bigger appointments, the ultrasounds or hospital tours, things like that. But some of them were just email updates how babies doing and growth and heartbeat. And yeah, yeah. So a little bit of everything. Yeah, sure. Did you have any expectation about what contact you'd have with their children once the children were born? If it was up to the intended parents, again, if the friendship developed, mm -hmm. it's nice to be able to stay in contact. I didn't have any expectations that we should, but I was hopeful that we would, and I have. I've managed to still get Christmas cards and recently my third surrogate pregnancy, the couple from New York, her birthday was just a few days ago. And so they sent me text messages and updated pictures of how she's doing and things like that. So it's yeah. kind of just having close friends that you still keep in contact with. Yeah, that's really nice. That's great. If intended parents are unsure about having a close ongoing relationship with their surrogate, is that a problem in the USA? I don't think so. I think as long as you're upfront about it in the very beginning, that either you have some hesitations about it or your viewpoint right away is that you kind of want to be more cautious after delivery on whether or not you keep in contact, blindsiding somebody at the end of delivery and saying, oh, by the way, we would prefer we didn't have any contact afterwards is probably not the most tactful way to do it, sure. even though I know it does happen because sometimes people also think, if I don't put on the best face first, I'm not going to find a match. I'm not going to find somebody that's going to carry for us if we tell them we don't want contact. That's a really good point. And so what's your recommendation there? Are you saying that people should be really honest up front? They should. They should yeah. say. I mean, because you have a lot of – my first introductory when I was typing up my profile was open to male couples or husband-wife couples. And I had put in there, I'm like, Having a surrogate might not have been your plan to begin with for family planning. So I understand if you don't want to factor me in mm -hmm. after the baby is born into your life, and that's going to be completely up to you. And so therefore, if that was a conversation that they wanted to have, then I was willing to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good way of dealing with it. Even with the best IVF, success rates in this area still only average, you know, maybe one in three other uh, transfers. Did you have transfers that didn't work or, or were you miscarried along the way? I had, for my very first transfer, we transferred two and only one took. And of course, the intended parents and I were all very naive. We were kind of like, oh, two went in, two were going to come out. And so it was almost a little disheartening when we left Heartbeat and we were like, yay, one baby kind of wondering what happened to the second one. I did have failed transfers. My second match, I carried twins and we tried for a sibling journey. Um, so it was the same embryos. We tried three times and none of them took whatsoever. How many times was that? Three. Three, wow, wow, wow. I mean, how do you, oh, how do you cope with that? I think that I, again, after that first journey, realizing that I have no control other than 
taking my medication and going to the doctors to getting confirmed that I am a good candidate to get pregnant, that it's kind of up to those little embryos to do it. It was disheartening and it was sad for each failed transfer. You kind of feel like your body's let you down a little bit, but it's still, I I didn't have any control over it. I could just do the best that I could. My other three were successful, first transfer, first try, pregnant. Yeah, yeah. And with these couples, are you usually using the, the with the heterosexual couples, the intending mother's eggs or donor eggs? It was actually, for this particular one, it was her sister who was her egg donor. Okay, wow. Right, right. Yeah. And so then the, the rest of mine have all been for fathers. And so they've had egg donors. Yep. Yeah. And then um, my last couple, again, it was his sister. One of the sisters donated, and then the partner was the other part of the embryo creator. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah. I do encourage people to look at your different ways of using a donor in terms of family members. That's just lovely. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. What about the maternal bond that often develops between a woman and the and the baby she's carrying? You know, some critics don't understand how someone could give up a baby they're carrying. Can you take us through that headspace of how you disassociate or whatever? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And actually give up is one of my favorite things to talk to people about because I often talk about the fact that I'm not giving up anything. I chose to enter into surrogacy. It involved a medical screening, a psychological evaluation, a consultation with the lawyer, an IVF cycle. If I had wanted to get pregnant, there are much easier ways to do this. I am very invested in the outcome of seeing somebody else have a child and have what I've already experienced. And so I develop more of a relationship with the thought of the intended parents and the final outcome than I do necessarily thinking about bringing my own baby home or getting a nursery ready or being excited with friends and family to have another member of our family that instead I'm watching it front row seats to somebody else's journey to parenthood. Being in the delivery room is obviously I am the person delivering, but it is a very out-of-body experience where it would be like participating in somebody else's delivery that the moment that baby is born and placed into its parents' arms you think about your own children and the relationship that you and your partner had taking your baby home and all those sweet moments that I did not want any more newborns. Yeah. <laughs> I've had one of my nurses ask, she was like, are you doing okay? We're like leaving and there's no baby. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like they're stuck with a newborn and I'm going to go home and like get a whole eight hours sleep and see my kids. This is going to be great. Yeah, yeah, sure. I've talked lots of science. Many of them describe the hormonal confusion their body has when their body thinks it's supposed to be a baby there after they've birthed and it's not. Right. And you get a bit of a sort of a, a downer for some, some days or weeks. Is that tough to go through that hormonal change in your body? I think different people can have different feelings afterwards, just depending on what your own natural hormone cycle does with or without a baby. I have always pumped postpartum. So it's given me a bit of a breast milk. Yes. But it's kind of given me still that connection of I'm helping do something and I'm providing something for this baby that I helped carry. That's very nutritious and very helpful. Um, Not that there's not a million different wonderful formulas out there, but just emotionally speaking, pumping was a very nice thing to do for myself because I felt like I'm still 
helping along the way. Again, circling back to our agency, they provide a like a push present amount of money that you can choose to go on vacation or do something with. So it kind of helps mentally jumpstart yourself into thinking about planning a vacation or doing a little trip or going to the spa to kind of help keep you motivated in that you did something really, really great and wonderful and you should take care of yourself too kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. That's an interesting point you raised about expressing breast milk. Is that very common in the USA for surrogates to offer to express milk? I think so. A lot of them do. I nursed almost all of my surrogate babies as well, not for a bonding connection, but because there's a lot of research on um, saliva communicating with, with the nipple while you're nursing to help kind of create the breast milk that the baby needs, like if they're starting to get a cold or things like that. So when I had babies that were close enough, when we would do milk drop-offs, even two or three months later, I might nurse for one of those feedings just to kind of help keep my body connected with whatever the baby might need. Okay, okay, um, interesting. And, th- and that doesn't sort of make you bond more with the baby, so it's hard to say goodbye to us at doing that? No, not at all. And maybe I'm just more unique, but I've got a large group of other friends that are surrogates. And I mean, if any one of them had had a surrogate baby or their own baby, I think we probably would have happily have nursed any of them as well. Yeah. <laughs> Just it's a, it's there for babies, not necessarily our own babies. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. You now work. Well, no, so before we go to simple surrogacy, tell me one more thing about intending parents. What qualities do intending parents need to have? Do you think to go through this process? Obviously, you know, I assume for some couples this is a harder journey than others what, what what's a good quality to have like, to um, yeah I would think realistically them having the ability to put a little bit of trust into somebody else yeah because it is a bit of a leap of faith to put to give somebody something so important and hope and trust that they're going to grow it and be healthy and do everything that's best for that baby So I think having the support system for themselves. And then I, again, I think communication is really awesome. I think the more that they can talk to their surrogate and kind of feel like they've reassured themselves through check-in points and pregnancy that they have made the right decision who they've chosen. Yeah, yeah, no, I like it. I know you now work for Simple Surrogates here supporting surrogates. What sort of women do you think make ideal surrogates in the U.S. context? What what do you need as a, as a surrogate? So most of our applicants, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you, one in 10 that apply probably make it. Yeah, and that was fascinating statistics. So what, what are the common reasons why women don't make it through the, the screening? Either they haven't had successful pregnancies or perhaps they've had some complications in pregnancy Mm -hmm. that disqualify them or any other general medical condition like diabetes or high blood pressure, things Mm -hmm. like that. Rest of it is usually then just making sure that their partner is supportive as well because I've had some apply without necessarily discussing it with their partner and their partner's not quite on board yet. Medical is usually the main key. We have had some, of course, just people that are interested that are asking that have given babies up for adoption, which is still admirable and great, but a qualifying factor is that they have a child in their home that they are raising because that is an emotional factor to it. Not that you can medically carry, but that emotionally you're stable at home. 
as well. Yeah, you know, I hear you. That, 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 that's great advice. What about surrogates who are single? Is that possible to carry as a single woman? Yeah, absolutely. Usually we want to make sure that they do still have a support system, that either they have family that are willing to help with childcare or that their partner is still active and participating in their child's life so that when it comes to doctor's appointments or deliveries and things like that, it's not causing extra stress or strain. Our contracts do cover childcare, but still emotionally, it can be kind of uncomfortable for someone to be going into the hospital and knowing that their child's with a care provider and not maybe their father or their grandparents or something. Yeah, of course, of course, that's right. I mean, do you find, are women of Christian faith more likely to be surrogates, do you find? Is that is that something you see? Or? Maybe 50-50. Even if people are maybe tied to a church or something of that sort, mm-hmm. it's not a limiting factor in their matching, that they're not also then looking for a couple of the same faith or that are Christian-based. But I would probably say a third of them are interested in making sure that they're caring for another couple that maybe has some of the same faith yeah, values. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, our surrogates just want to know that the parents are happy and healthy and in a great relationship and ready to welcome a baby. And that's not necessarily a major factor. And I guess sometimes we discuss it in a, in a way of kind of like planning a wedding. Maybe you make a big, long, detailed list of everything you want, and then you actually look at your budget and figure out what's important and what really matters when you get down to it. Um, and some of those items kind of get scratched off. Yeah, of course, of course. You mentioned before having a double embryo transfer for a couple. Is that very common these days that surrogates will agree to, to have a double embryo transfer? I would say our agency probably has about a 30% that will apply. But in that, not everybody is um, deemed acceptable to carry twins that will have a candidate that says she's open to doing double embryo transfer, but she's delivered at 38 weeks and all of her babies have been five pound babies. And so then the fertility doctor looks at her medical records and decides that it's in her best interest that she only opts for one embryo. Okay, got it. And most fertility doctors are leaning more towards single embryo just for health of pregnancy, health of surrogate, better success rates for baby delivery. Yeah, yeah. And ultimately, I think all of the five pregnancies you carried, they were all singletons, were they, in the end? I had a um, double embryo transfer that resulted into a singleton. Yeah. I had a double embryo transfer that resulted in twins. Right. And then my third transfer was a single embryo. And then I tried carrying that sibling journey. And that was a single embryo, double embryo, double embryo. None of them took. Mm. And then for my final two journeys were single embryo transfers that took on the first try. Yeah, well, interesting. And tell me, when you were carrying twins, is it a much harder process for you carrying twins? You definitely are bigger, faster. You feel heavier. You feel like your term around 28 weeks because I was measuring 38 weeks. Mm -hmm. I work from home, so I did have the availability to take it easy and I didn't have to rush about. But we live in Texas. I live on a farm. I still fed horses every day. I did deliver it 35 weeks, but and you guys will have to do the calculations on this because we do pounds. There were 5'11 and 6 pounds and 7 ounces, so they were very large, full-term sized babies, just yeah, yeah, yeah. twins. Twins know to develop quickly, yeah, um, yeah. but it definitely is a harder pregnancy. I couldn't have imagined doing it in my last two pregnancies as I got older. It's 
more of a young woman's game, I think, at this point. Yeah, sure. I mean, you must be very, very rewarding now being able to help sort of surrogates coming up behind you now at Simple Surrogacy. Must be yes. Lovely. Yeah. It's very nice. It's great to just have that experience and have that knowledge built in that when they come to you or they have had a failed transfer, you can, you don't have to guess what it feels like. You know exactly what they're going through and yeah. what was nice for me to hear with those failed transfers. Yeah, yeah, totally. Morgan, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for having a chat to me today. It's been wonderful for us and for the audience too. Really, really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely, Sam. I really appreciate it as well. It was great, great getting to chat with you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For further information, please head to the Growing Families website, www.growingfamilies.org.